0: Thank you for being here on the Life Curation Podcast. Today, I'm sharing a conversation I had with Chris Bueno. I met Chris a few years ago when she came to one of my yoga retreats. From right the beginning, Chris struck me as a young, dynamic, and ambitious woman. And I'm thrilled to have her on my podcast today. We talk about what it means to be young, female, and successful in the finance sector in Switzerland. Chris shares her experience and has some really interesting and refreshing insights. Before we start, a bit more about Chris. She's a relationship manager at a boutique Swiss bank. She works closely with wealthy families and individuals in all aspects related to their wealth. She provides investments advice helps clients structure their accounts and manages the transmission of wealth to the next generation. Krith is an economist by education and a banker by profession. Since finishing her studies in London, she has had the opportunity to work with several Swiss institutions, from global banks to local family offices. She's currently a director at a boutique Swiss bank, working together with wealthy families and entrepreneurs to structure their wealth and managing their finances. Chris is a passionate people's person and working in private banking means she can combine this passion with her background in economics and the financial markets. On a personal level, she just got married loves to ride her horse, and is soon mom to a little duck's So let's listen in. Hi, Chris. It's so nice to have you here on my podcast and in my bedroom on the floor. Hi, Andrina. Always a pleasure. So Chris is actually with me here recording, so it's really fun. So with every guest, I like to start with some this or that questions. So you can totally answer spontaneously just what the first comes top of your mind. Coffee or tea? Tea. Vegetables or fruits? Vegetables. Taking a bath or shower? Shower. You're fast. (laughs) It's easy. (laughs) Classical or modern art? Modern. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. Wow, you are fast. Cool. Thank you. (laughs) So, Chris, tell us a little
1: bit about your culture background. Well, I'm originally from Spain. Um, I was born in Madrid, uh, two Spanish parents, even though if you see me, you wouldn't think that I am. Um, so blonde, blue eyes, very fair skin, always get sunburned. Uh, prefers the mountains to the beach. So yeah, not your typical Spanish person, Um, but uh, very much Spanish in my heart, Um, although I have lived most of my life outside of Spain. So I studied in the UK and I've been living and working in Switzerland for 11 years now.
0: 11 years already. (laughs) Wow. Cool. Well, thank you. So, you know, people know already a little bit about Mm -hmm. your job and what you do. Mm -hmm. So what's a situation in your job that makes you say, yes, exactly. That's why I do it. And moments of this pure joy and satisfaction.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I am very much a people's person. I love building relationships. Um, I love making connections be it with clients or uh, with colleagues in the office, uh, with managers, with other stakeholders, just finding that those elements of commonality that then help build up a relationship. Um, And for me, the moment of the sort of joy is when you really feel that you're building uh, a long-lasting, trusting relationship and where you can really become a partner to those people and make a difference in their lives.
0: So nice. I remember when I was working in sales for hotels somebody once asked me what sales is mm-hmm. and I just said it's just relationship building correct
1: it's all about the relationship absolutely right? absolutely and that's a uh, you know you give in a way individuals clarity over a very complex matter like their wealth um, and you you kind of transmit everything that a large bank is with all its complications. You simplify it to bring the best through to the client. Um, And I think in the end, that's what makes the difference. For sure. And
0: I think one word, the clarity with a complex um, Mm -hmm. topic, what you mentioned, I think. And sometimes I feel it's a little bit misunderstood, but I feel it's also very emotional, mm-hmm. you know, and I think then having that clarity and being yeah. able to give that to
1: your yeah. client is wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, clients are not really used to talking about their wealth. Exactly. Um, and, and with you, they can speak freely. I mean, they can tell you their, their deepest desires, their wishes, their worries. Um, and, and many of the things that you will get to know from your clients are very private things. But it's something that as a banker, you need to know in order to help them manage their wealth in the best way possible. We always say it's a way, it's, it's kind of like being a doctor, but for their finances. So it's so just, cool. it's, yes. it's just, it's just it's the same sort of, you know, personal relationship. And yes. You need to know all the nitty gritty and all the, you know, dirty you know, stuff going on in the background um, so to really be able to, to give the best advice to the clients. Amazing. So when you tell people what you
0: do, Mm -hmm. just tell me a little bit what their reaction is. Do you feel people are judgmental? And I don't mean that negative, they can also be positive. Mm -hmm. But, you know, working in the financial industry Mm -hmm. in Switzerland is, I'm gonna say now, stereotypical a little bit, right?
1: Um, So yeah, how do people react? You know, there, there is a stigma attached to, to Swiss private banking. I think there isn't a single bond movie that doesn't involve some sketchy criminal opening a numbered account in a Swiss bank account and depositing a suitcase full of money. So true. And <laughs> I mean, that might have been perhaps true in the past, um, but but it definitely isn't the, the industry that I work in today. Um, it's an extremely professional industry uh, with the maximum st- standards of compliance uh, I mean, it is not d- e- easy to open a bank account in Switzerland nowadays. Um, but of course, there is that stigma attached to it. You know, so people are always say, like, Oh, do you manage the, the, the wealth of, you know, dictators in Africa and stuff like that? And um, that often comes with, with negative uh, sort of judgment attached to it. Uh, but, you know, often it's very much uh, a chance for me to explain what we really do and uh, to make people see things from the client's perspective. So, you know, we also manage the wealth of entrepreneurs, of company owners who live in countries uh, with very corrupt political systems and having their wealth in Switzerland is the only way, the only chance that they have to actually preserve their hard-earned money and transmit it to the next generation. So, you know, there's always a way to to see things from from both perspectives. And uh, nowadays in a very transparent world, uh, we really try to offer that you know safety um, to, to families in countries that really need it the most. And if you're
0: comfortable sharing, mm-hmm. how old were you when you got? a pretty (laughs) high-end job in senior management in a very well-established financial institution
1: institution in Switzerland. So I was 27 years old um, when I was appointed vice president of uh, one of Switzerland's top two banks. So that is uh, the first rank of senior management, so nothing too um, fancy. But uh, I was given the possibility to manage a team of young relationship managers. And to develop uh, a business acquisition strategy for, for the bank. It's amazing. You were even younger than I no. thought. <laughs> no.
0: And how were you received internally? Mm-hmm. And I think, was it, I don't know, I, I could imagine it was challenging, but you tell us a little bit more. And I think my question also is: It was it more challenging being a woman? Mm-hmm. It, was it more challenging being very young? Mm-hmm. Was it a
1: combination? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good question um, and one that I often think about myself. I think what was key for me and what has been key throughout my career is the fact that I had very strong cheerleaders internally, um, mentors, people who sort of saw um, my capabilities and my my talent and my passion and and they really pushed me and you know gave me opportunities where one you know, would have thought more experience was necessary. Um, So I was very, very lucky. Um, When I was appointed vice president, I was actually um, given the title by two uh, female bosses, who since, you know, since I started in the company, really pushed me to to sort of develop myself um, and to always aim higher and take on more responsibility. So that was really fantastic. And I think, when you get given that chance, perhaps earlier than you would have expected, it makes you work twice as hard to sort of prove them right. Um, How was it received internally? You know, be it you're a woman or you're young or or these sort of things that tend to have a, a negative stigma attached to it in terms of, or in the financial sector. At the end of the day, people only care about one thing and that's if you're competent. So there may be an initial subconscious judgment, right? That that, that sort of split second judgment where you first see someone and you don't even want to think it, but inside you're kind of like, oh, they're young or, oh, a woman. Mm -hmm." Um, But, you know, it's very easy to to actually prove that wrong and you just have to work at it and you just have to be competent. And I think as soon as you've had the chance to prove yourself, I mean, you're going to have to put yourself out there. You know, people have to see you in action in a way um but once you've proven that you can be competent and that you can you know solve problems then people won't think twice about whether you're young or whether you're swiss or non-swiss which is also you know yes, true. that uh, that might have that people might consider holds you back whether you're you know actually born in switzerland or you're coming in from abroad you know at the end of the day it's it's really people just want you to be competent and to be good at your job and to be able to solve problems and bring results
0: that makes me feel
1: really better. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. And how was it with your clients? Was mm-hmm. it similar? And I know, you know, you're also working with a lot of um, the Spanish speaking yes. clientele. Um, yeah. How was how were you received from mm-hmm. them?
1: With clients, and this is something that I would also offer as as advice to anyone who is in a client facing role, I think honesty is really the best policy. Um, And I think if from the very beginning, you come across as honest and down to earth as possible, um, then the client will always respect that, you know, and I've had meetings where I've been asked things that I didn't know. And rather than sort of trying to find an answer or trying to sort of, you know, you, you just tell the client, let me come back to you. Let me look into it with our specialists. Um, And that's something that's that's always been very appreciated by them. Um, I think from a client perspective, it takes a while to build trust. Um, And again, it's more actions than words. But my goal has always been to establish myself as their representative facing the bank, um, as someone who's always looking out for their best interests, and as someone uh, who, no matter what is going on internally in the bank, will always look out for the client. Right?
0: Yes. Yeah. And I think, and I think you touched on it a little bit before, you know, money and wealth are still a pretty big taboo topic, yeah. you know, on the dinner table, <laughs> yes. with friends, yeah. Um, but also within the families. Yeah. Right. So why
1: do you think that's the case? Wealth is, is, is a funny is a funny subject. I think it's a matter that most families, especially those with established fortunes, um, try to keep as private um, and to themselves as possible. Um, I think, you, you know, as well as I do, we live in a very unequal society um, and especially inherited wealth where there's no real, you know, earn there's no real, shall we say, merit behind it, uh, just the fact that you happen to have been born to that family at that time, um, right? I think that is one reason why uh, families are less likely to discuss wealth. Um, uh, I think, you know, in terms of self-made individuals, I think it's very different. I think they're more comfortable to discuss wealth because they can explain how, that wealth came about, and all the efforts that they put in place to make that happen um, but in any case, there is definitely a, a stigma attached to discussing wealth in public um and I think it really is to do with the fact that not many people can be considered wealthy nowadays. yes, do you think
0: with the inheritance, especially mm. if there is um you know Big money there. Um, do you feel there is shame
1: from the younger generations? I wouldn't necessarily say shame. Um, I, I would definitely say there's, how would you put it? Respect. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I think that's what the parents hope to receive <laughs> from, from the children. Um, at, at least the, the families that I work with, um, the children are very aware, um, of, of sort of, not just their rights to this wealth, but also the responsibilities that come with it. Um, and, you know, I work at a in a family office now, and the whole transmission of wealth is almost like a ritual. So it involves educating the children, it involves bringing them into the family business, um, it involves explaining to them the importance of preserving that wealth throughout generations and not, you know, just squandering it or or sort of using it for for enrichment right um so i think it's also a cultural a cultural thing i think in switzerland for example even extremely wealthy families are extremely modest i mean you will see sort of very wealthy people driving about in deadbeat cars or you know living in their in their you know 100 year old uh, little chalet that hasn't been renovated in years but that's just how they like it Um, and you will never know that behind that person is is a huge fortune so i think it's also A cultural issue
0: yeah Yeah. and since you started out Mm -hmm. what do you feel has been the biggest change in the working environment for you know swiss foreigners Mm -hmm. male female (laughs) young older you know any any just a change that has happened over the last years
1: it's a very good question um I think one of the changes that that I've seen, and it's a very positive development, um, is really uh, employees actively caring about the well-being of their, empl- uh, sorry, employers actively caring about the well-being of their employees. Um, and, you know, even, for example, uh, courses in terms of stress management, in terms of um, self-preservation, uh, learning techniques. Uh, I think that's been a very, very positive development. I think obviously themes like burnouts, uh, like, you know, stress induced situations and problems have been on the rise, um, especially in countries like Switzerland, where many people work in very sort of high stress, high power jobs. Um, and we're not born knowing how to cope with that, right? So we might have the education, we might have the tools, but I think no one has the, the innate knowledge of, wow, well, how do I cope with this anxiety attack? Or how, how do I cope with, you know, never ending pressure and, and never ending work? Um, so, so it's very important to, to train people how to manage unfortunately, but but we have to know how to manage that, um, I think to be able to survive in 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 these kind of industries. I, you know, one thing that I see happening now and which I think is so wonderful is this massive COVID-related experiment of home office and flexible working and remote working and not having to be present in the office for 12 hours a day. Right. And I think that is, I mean it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It, it, I I honestly hope that this is the beginning of a new way of working.
0: Do you think it will be?
1: Um, I honestly hope so. Mm-hmm. I honestly hope so. I mean, I I think that many companies may be reluctant to admit it or accept it, um, but I think if they do not offer that to employees, then they will just lose out. They will lose out to the competition who has better infrastructure, is more flexible, is more modern, has you know, a freer thinking management and we'll implement that. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's, I agree. I think it's so uh, interesting
0: how, you know, before COVID, which we're probably going to say in many different aspects in our life, um, home office was for many companies. doesn't matter what industry. No, no, we can't do it. And then suddenly, we had to. Yeah. And then it's possible. Absolutely. Right. And I also find it interesting how, you know, talking to different people, some people love it yeah. to stay at home and work from home, and some people don't like it at all. So it's really interesting how also the personalities come in. And hopefully the, you know, companies, again, whichever industry can also maybe find a creative way of doing partial home office or whatever depending where you live you can do home office or not
1: right I mean I couldn't agree more Um, I I really think that this you know we always talk about work-life balance work-life balance work-life balance but really if you are in an office 12 hours a day, is there such a thing as work-life balance? No, of course there isn't, right? Of course because you work 12 hours, you sleep eight. So there's no, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing left, you know, then you've got your weekend and where you've got to actually go shopping because you don't have time to shop during the week. Um, and you've got to cram all of this, you know, all of your personal things into two days. Um, it, of course it doesn't work, right? So, you know i think that this this change um and this trend towards i'm not saying 100% ho- home office but just flexible working um just flexible working let your employees decide uh is 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 going to be massive and i think one specific you know group that it's going to benefit a lot is uh working mothers yes right i mean i've had so many uh questions come to me in you know essays during my education and my 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 master's program you know ideas to to make sure that women are more integrated after giving birth and nothing really worked, nothing really worked because at the end of the day the mother needs flexibility, and that's the one thing that employees were never really willing to offer
0: and I think now even more because you know, schools and kindergarten and even kinders—they mm-hmm. are you know, as soon as the child has yes. a little bit of a cough, they need to stay home. Yes. Right. So it's
1: even more that the flexibility is needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you know, we, for example, you know, I think many companies said home office, so many issues, you know, security issues, uh, connectivity issues, technology issues, you know, could never, never happen, could never happen. And then it had to happen. And from what I've read and from what I've heard, uh, it worked perfectly fine. In fact, it was even more efficient because people weren't spending two hours a day commuting back and forth from work, right? Um, And and I think that that should have been a major eye-opener for for corporations far and wide. And if I'm not mistaken, Facebook, for one, uh, has implemented a policy of work from home forever, if employees so wish at the end of the day i think that's really what has to be given to them, is the choice the freedom to decide where they work best how they work best and just let them get on with it
0: yes and i think at the end it comes back to what you mentioned when we talked about you know being received mm-hmm. in a team and if you do your job well yes. it doesn't matter Really, how many hours you no. work or where you work? As long as you do your best, yes. right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, at, at least as as a banker, we're very used to being constantly reachable. So for me, it actually doesn't make a difference whether I'm in the office or out of the office. My clients always know they can contact me, where to contact me, and I'm available to them. Um, so, so I think you know being present in the office is, is more of a management issue rather than a, a strictly a client or a job related issue. True. And, you know, nowadays we have the technology to work remotely and to work remotely fully eff- efficiently and effectively as, uh, as if we were in the office. Um, I think it drives companies to be less paper-based, um, to be more sustainable, you know, it uses less public resources in terms of public transportation or those who drive into work. Um, It reduces congestion in the main cities. So it would give the possibility for people also to live, you know, outside of the city to pay an affordable rent rather than, you know, a Zurich city rent. Um, So, I mean, I I honestly think it's the future and I hope it comes (laughs) true. (laughs) So you touched on that topic
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) and... You know, in various aspects. And of course, it's a very demanding and always changing environment. Mm -hmm. And over the last years, burnout and stress management have become a bigger topic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the way we met (laughs) was um, at a retreat when you came. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was one of your things why you came. Yeah. So what, is helping you and what has helped you in the past to cope and withstand that pressure. And I think with everything, you know, it's always a journey, right? It's an in and out and never a perfection.
1: Yes, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I, you know, when I first came to Switzerland, I was young, I was ambitious uh, I wanted to eat the world, as we say in, in Spain. Um, and so I was always giving 120, 150% of myself um, to every job, to every project, to, you know, every day. Um, and that takes its toll. And with 25, 26, I developed very severe anxiety. Um, at the time, I was working with a very demanding uh, superior I had a huge workload for such a young age, um, and I was sort of being made responsible for, uh, you know, things that were pretty much out of my pay (laughs) range. Uh, But, you know, you're young and and you don't want to say no. You you don't want to say no. It's, you know, and and you'd be getting calls at 9pm and coming back into the office and and doing and, and being... Um, and eventually, you know, I developed, uh, you know, just just anxiety where, where I felt, you know, that my throat was closing up, I couldn't breathe. And and I never associated it with work. I was always like, hmm, did I eat something funny? Am I doing the wrong kind of, you know, training? Um, am I smoking too much? Okay, that probably also wasn't good for me. But, you know, <laughs> you, I never associated it with work. Um, and it took a long time for me to realize that actually these episodes occurred at a time when, you know, I was getting bombarded at work or, or I was, you know, being asked for, for more that I could give. Um, and I mean, it was a journey. I'm still on that journey now, <laughs> um, seven years later, but, uh, you know, I have to say it, it really is going back to the book and, you know, just learning to breathe, um, learning to meditate, learning to bring yourself down, learning to detach yourself from the, the, from the rush, you know, from the pressure, um, and just really trying to get that out of your head and just focus on yourself and on your well-being. And I think it can come from, from many different things. For some people, it's exercise. For some people, it's, as I mentioned, meditation. For other people, it's yoga, there's essential oils, there's tapping, there's so many different methods out there um, to help, you know, and to and to prepare you for, for these types of situation. And, you know, don't be afraid to try them all. That's that's what I always said. And, and that's what I did. And eventually you'll find the perfect mix. You'll integrate it into your life and you'll live, you know, a much happier existence. Yeah. And sometimes you might have to leave your job which I also did <laughs> because there's just certain things that you can't fix. So, um, yeah. B- boundaries. Yes,
0: yes absolutely. <laughs> and <clears throat> you also have a horse. Yes. And you soon have a little dog. Yes. So animals are, you know, I speak for myself, yeah. the best therapist. Yes. And even on busy days, they look at you with like their, I'm going to say puppy eyes. Yes. <laughs> walk me let's go outside and you're like yes let's go and so you can look forward to your dog and I'm sure you're embracing your horse I used to horseback ride as a teenager and I remember in uh, in school struggling and then just going to my horse and well it wasn't my horse but I was you know yeah um able to ride it and just going into the woods and everything was
1: better it's crazy because horses as well as dogs they can feel um your fear your anxiety your anguish and as soon as you are you know stressed or or sort of you know you're having troubles or your 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 mind is somewhere else they're going to feel it and they're going to let you know that they know right absolutely in a way it is like my meditation you know before you get on the horse before you're even in the stable you know everything is cleared out of your mind yeah yeah
0: so for young people wanting to step into this career mm-hmm. what would be your tricks and tips or advice
1: <laughs> i have so many i actually have to tell you i'm writing a book about that yes <laughs> I actually am. Okay. It's also a project that has been going on for sort of seven years, but no, I'm, I'm so, uh, so happy to, to give tips and advice to, to young professionals or to young students looking to get into this field. Second episode coming when the book is out. out. No, because it is, it is a, a fascinating, um, industry, you know, you, you get to meet so many incredible people, especially, you know, entrepreneurial clients who have, you know, built their own businesses and, and grown their wealth. And it's, it's really inspiring. Uh, so, you know, fr- from my side, just, just, you know, come into it with passion. Be prepared to work because, it, you know, it is hard work. Um, there's a lot of things you don't know. So you're going to have to learn a trade, you know, sort of by from zero. You may learn something in university, but, you know, Swiss banking, for example, is a completely different deal. Um, And uh, there is a lot to know. So be prepared not to know everything and be prepared to ask questions. Um, But mostly I would say just just be passionate, be honest, don't be afraid to take on challenges. Um, And if there's really one tip I can give that, you know, just sort of something to always keep in mind, always be prepared for meetings, always come prepared to a meeting. (laughs) always so
0: good I like that (laughs) and I love that not knowing it's like beginner mindset that I think Uh sometimes we feel we need to know everything already and we are afraid of saying I don't know like Mm -hmm. what you said with clients yes I don't know I'll find out I'll get back to you
1: yeah it's okay not to know it's absolutely okay it's absolutely okay. And, you know, when you come back to the client and you really researched the answer, they're going to appreciate it 10 times more than if you had, you know, half told them something at the beginning. Absolutely. Um, so, so just, you know, don't be afraid to, to say you don't know and to, you know, really be, be ready to, to look for the answers. Yeah. <laughs> Great.
0: Well, I think that's a really good wrap up for our conversation. Last but not least, as we are on the Life Creation podcast, and life creation means how all aspects of our life are creatively intersected and influenced by each other. Life creation is about connecting the dots so that the whole beautiful artwork of our life can emerge. Do you have a life creation
1: quote, mantra, or life motto that guides you? I do. Um, and you know, you might find it funny, but, uh, it's be your own cheerleader. Um, I think that in, in many occasions, you're going to give your everything and it's not always going to be recognized. You know, people aren't always going to come and pat you on the back. Um, credit isn't going to be given to you all the time. And that's, you know, that's pretty downheartening right? I mean, you work for something and then, you know, someone else takes credit or you just kind of get forgotten on the email. Uh, So just be your own cheerleader, you know, take yourself out for a glass of wine, Uh, you know, buy yourself a dream horse, right? I mean, who cares? It's it's your life. It's your effort. And, you know, be thankful to yourself.
0: Love that. What a good finish. Let's be our own cheerleader. Thank you so much, Chris, for being here. And, um, We'll go and have dinner together now.
1: Yes, looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> I would love to hear what you thought of my conversation with Chris and your takeaway from this episode. You can find all links and more in the show notes linked below. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to send it to your friends, a family member, and whoever you think could benefit. This is how I get a lot of my inspiration and discover new information when I see something on social media or a friend sends it directly to me. And of course, a stellar review over on iTunes and those magic five stars mean the world to me. I don't want to miss out on telling you about the free videos and downloads on my website under andrinatc.com forward slash resources. Whether you're interested in yoga, meditation, EFT, essential oils, or need a guide from chaos to clarity, I'm sure you will find something for you. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for being part of Life Curation.